On first down, the handoff to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10. He's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT, and he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. Welcome back to another edition of the Bring the Juice podcast. I am your host, Cody Felger. Joining me, special guest from the Indianapolis Star, Jim Aiello. Jim, how are you doing, man? Doing all right. Doing you know, doing as well as we uh, you know can be in these in these kind of crazy times right now. We're just still you know very fortunate to to be working and and to have just something to cover. You know, the NFL is one yeah. of the few sports kind of going on right now. So and hopefully you know if the draft sounds like it's going to go on in some crazy format, but we'll go on. So we'll have uh, lots to talk about. It seems like for for this month and for next. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that just with the virus, everything's kind of been put on hold. But the NFL's kind of figured out ways to continue free agency. And now it looks like, like you mentioned, the draft is going to continue. It's just going to be more of a virtual type of draft, not not people around. But, I, Jim, I wanted to kind of talk about – so with this, stu- with this stuff happening, obviously people have not been able to go m- many places, especially like the Colts organization. Nobody's been able to be in the building. So the free agents that they have signed and the guy that they have traded for – They haven't been able to be in the facility at all because of this virus, but they figured out different ways to communicate with their people. I know that Frank Reich was talking about in his press conference, kind of they're figuring out ways to communicate with their players, with their fellow coaches and all that stuff. And I know that Frank Reich, you know, with his press conference, he had a lot of stuff that he talked about and a lot covered in this press conference. And so I kind of wanted to talk about those today. Some of the stuff that Frank Reich, was talking about in his press conference that that being the first thing was just communication the thing that I love that Frank Reich said you know even though it was something where it was just you know it was where it's unfortunate and stuff that you can't help Frank Reich he wants to find a competitive advantage and that you have to just love that from your head coach yeah Uh, despite all the craziness going on Frank Reich still thinking how can we benefit from this and how can we gain the advantage on the other 31 NFL teams what was your takeaway Jim from you know, what Frank was talking about there with just how they've been able to communicate with their people and how they're still trying to get an advantage over the rest of the teams in the league. Yeah, it doesn't sound unlike Frank Reich, does it? It sounds like he's going to go, all right, well, how do I, once I figure out how to work, how do I work harder than everybody else? And and that, yeah, that kind of, that sounds like Chris Ballard too in the organization that they try to run with the Colts. So I think that's what they've done. Um They've, they've, they, you know, I, I know they've assigned a couple people to become Zoom experts. Just learn every single thing you can about Zoom. How do I, how do I, if I'm looking at a play, um, you know, show everybody that's also on this call this play? And so, essentially, how do we keep doing the work we need to be doing at this critical time of the year without, without breaking a sweat, without, without taking a break from it? And so, that, that's what they're trying to do. And I think they, they have a lot of, um, they have to thank their IT guys. I think I've seen a few organizations that kind of have said that. And said, you know, they thank God these guys know what they're doing. They can set us up and kind of make it as business as usual. Um, I know I actually, if you read, there was a uh, Peter King, the you know legendary football writer today in one of his uh, columns wrote, 
just about how Frank was actually kind of enjoying a little bit this this uh, isolation because he says when you work at the building, at the Colts building, you kind of, as the head coach, you get interrupted like 20, 25 times a day. And now there's no breaks. There's no interruptions. He can kind of get all his work done. And I think he's really enjoying that. I think he's maybe getting more work done uh, than he would have in the past. I mean, like I said, I think you, you know, prefer to be at the office and everyone be healthy, obviously. But it's one of those things where they're definitely trying to go, okay, what are the weaknesses of this? What, what, what can't we do? And what are the ways we can overcome that and maybe exploit in, in a smart way, what, what people aren't doing. So I think they're, like I said, they're, they're looking for every possible edge that they can find, which I think as Colts fans, uh, you got to be really happy to hear. Yeah. Another thing that Frank Reich touched on was uh, Philip Rivers. And there was a couple questions about him, but the, you know, one of the questions was about just on acquiring him. And Frank Reich talked about how it was a unique opportunity he felt like. And he felt like Philip was, a, you know, he's a future Hall of Fame quarterback. And he thinks that whatever he does, he's going to contribute to that in Indianapolis. And he also mentioned the connection, obviously him and, and Nick Sirianni and then the tight ends coach, they all have connections with Phillip Rivers. Um, but, you know, there was something that that stuck out to me that I think was something that people maybe kind of questioned last year with Phillip Rivers, you know, just watching him kind of have a down year. And it was, you know, is he physically losing a step? Yes, yeah. he's getting up there in age, late 30s. You know, is is it time? Is Father Time catching up with Philip Rivers? But Frank Reich doesn't seem like he believes that at all, does he? No, that's a yeah. It's it's a great point that you bring up. It's something that he kind of brought up unprompted. Like you didn't even you didn't we didn't even really get a chance to ask him yet. Like what physical or what limitations did he have last year? Essentially, why did he throw twenty interceptions? And Frank immediately was just like, no physical limitations. I watched three years of this guy's tape. He looks like the same guy that I had back in twenty thirteen and fourteen and fifteen. And so there's nothing to worry about there. Now, of course, he's not happy about the 20 interceptions is concerned about the 20 interceptions, but I think he thinks there are ways, you know, that, that Phillip is still the same guy, still, still the guy who can make plays downfield, still the guy who's willing to put the ball downfield to give his receivers a chance to make a huge play. And so, yeah, I, you, you, Frank Reich was, was pretty convinced that between what you said, the fit um, of knowing the offense, especially now after what we just talked about, right? Like there's, it's going to be a little more difficult um, for, for players to come in and pick up an offense or learn new things or learn new terminology and schemes for, for Philip, I think Reich said he, he already knows 80 to 85% of the offense. Um, I actually got a chance to talk to Philip Rivers, like old teammate Antonio Gates. And he was like, yeah, I, I even, even Antonio Gates was watching when, you know, there was a story and he almost came back last year to play for the Colts. Um, and he said he was watching the offense and going, yeah, I, this, this all looks super familiar to me. I pretty much understand everything that's going on. So for a guy like Philip Rivers too, a really smart guy, a guy who's been around football for 20 years, you know, in the NFL, I should say. Uh, almost 20 years and then you know coach's son he's not gonna have any trouble picking any of this up he's gonna be able to jump right in and run the offense that frank reich wants to run um theoretically you won't have to even slow build they'll just be able to kind of jump in right to the middle of it and do everything they want to do and so having that relationship knowing that what philip knows and knowing how to that you know that the coaches there can accentuate his strengths and that the coach is knowing um i'm sorry him knowing that they they're able to do that and call the plays that he likes it's a match that Frank was very convinced, I think from an early stage in free agency, that this was going to be the match that it was right for the Colts. Yeah, and you mentioned it. It's kind of, you know, obviously this virus is terrible and people have died and it's just been not sure. good. But from a Colts standpoint, you kind of look at it and say, for them, it was a little bit of a, a blessing in disguise because you think if you bring in a Tom Brady, you bring in any of the other quarterbacks, they have to learn an entire new system mm-hmm. where Phillip Rivers, he already knows 80 to 85% of the plays. And even if you draft a rookie quarterback at 13, which I know the Colts have traded away now, you have to you have to he has to learn an entire new playbook probably. And with Philip Rivers, he doesn't have to do that, right? He can just jump in, and there's only a few different plays that the Colts will spice in there that that he'll have to learn. But 
the majority of the plays Philip Rivers is familiar with or knows how to run. And so I think it's just uh, it's crazy that that happened. And obviously nobody knew that that was going to happen. But I think it for the Colts, it gives them a good advantage there because it's not like you're having to start over with a guy and have him. You know, you look at Philip Rivers and Tom Brady, for example, both both were in on their same team, respective teams for their whole careers. And now they're both going off, both going into into different teams. But, you know, you look at even like a Tom Brady he was in that system for so long. Yeah. He'd have, he still would have stuff to learn. Like he's going to have stuff to learn in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians, different plays and all that stuff. But Phillip Rivers, it's going to be more of a fit in terms of play style and the scheme and all of that stuff. And so I think the Colts have a good advantage there. Um, some of the things that, that Frank Reich said Phillip Rivers does really well that he wants to maximize. He really mentioned uh, the best way, you know, Phillip Rivers is an elite guy in terms of getting the ball out of his hand to his receivers to make plays. You know, he mentioned the RPO, which I know when I heard him mention that at first, I was like, with Philip Rivers, like he's a guy that's <laughs> up there in age and, you know, he's not never been a mobile quarterback in his career. But he was talking more about, you know, just getting the, you know, when there's an unblocked defender, getting yeah. the ball to his guy. And he said Philip Rivers is very, very good at that. Uh, what were some of your takeaways there from why, why Frank Reich thinks that, you know, beyond the system in terms of what Philip Rivers does well, he fits to what the Colts want to do offensively. Yeah, so I mean, you mentioned the two that I thought I think are really important. Oh, I mean, there's a, actually there's a few. I mean, one we'll start with accuracy, and I, I think you know as the Jacoby Brissett thing kind of slowly um, went off the rails last year. Just didn't you know the second half of the season, as we all know, was pretty bad for him. A lot of the questions we started asking Frank were, and Nick Sirianni, and and quarterbacks coach Marcus Brady, and and, and everybody was, what you know, what are you looking for if you're if you're going to go find another quarterback? What are you looking for? And and Number one, and elite accuracy is the first thing Frank Reich always says, elite accuracy. And for the most part throughout his career, Philip Rivers has been a very, very accurate quarterback. At one point, and, and Frank mentioned this during the, the uh, press conference, that there was one point where they were sniffing around 70% completions when they were working together. And a couple of years ago when he went to the Pro Bowl, I think he was around 66% completion rating. I mean, that is that that is just a, such a huge step up from what they had from Jacoby Brissett last year, who at his best and early on was throwing, you know, 63, 64%, but then dropped down to, you know, 55, 56% uh, in the second half of the season. So that obviously has to change. But you get, if you get a consistently, you know, stellar Philip Rivers, you're getting a 10% uptick in completion percentage. That is huge. You're also talking about a guy who's more willing to to move the ball down the field and throw it accurately down the field. That is something they also didn't have with Jacoby Brissett, who was times just you know hesitant and 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 kind of padded the ball, you know, shuffled his feet, didn't really want to make mistakes. You know, ended up taking off and running or checking down. You're not going to have as much of that with Philip Rivers. He'll, he'll still be a guy who checks down. Everybody saw what what Austin Eckler did in that offense last year, but hopefully, you know, for the Colts, it will be a it will it'll be kind of more tactical checkdowns as opposed to. You know, I'm, I'm not willing to throw it deep. And here's my little, here's my check down. Now, is it, and what you brought up on the RPO, you know, I was watching uh, something with Doug Peterson, a video. He was breaking down RPOs that he runs with Carson Wentz. And the first thing he said about it was, um, you don't want, you don't want the quarterback to run. That's the third option. That's the third thing you want. You either want him to hand off the ball to the running back, or you want him to make a quick throw. And, and, and so it becomes more like a play action in a way like that. But that, that's after he does it, decides not to hand the ball off. But what they're going to try to capitalize with Philip Rivers is his game acumen, his IQ. Again, he's a really, really smart quarterback. He knows how to read a defender. And if the defender comes down on the running back, he knows he's going to be able to pull it out and make a quick throw with the, you know, with the defender already gone. Now, like you said, not the most mobile guy. If the third option becomes running, maybe not great. That's why I think, and we, I'm sure we will get to this a little bit later, but why Frank has said that they might try to incorporate Jacoby Brissett a little bit more into the offense, you know, a few plays a game. 
because I think he's got that third option if you need it um, to run. But obviously, Philip Rivers is not going to be that guy. He's not going to be the one that's going to want to like take off and, and, and scamper for a first down. I think he only ran like 12 or 15 times last year. It's, it's low. He has not run very often. So we won't expect to see uh, much much scampering by, by Philip Rivers next year. But those are the things that I think are, are most important about him is that it's that elite intelligence and elite accuracy that he has had in his career that I think Philip Rivers is going to want to take it. I'm sorry, Frank Reich's going to want to take advantage of. And the other thing you mentioned, I forgot to say, was that he is so quick to get the ball out of his hands. I think he was top five in the NFL in terms of uh, time between the snap and then getting the ball out of his hands where Jacoby was at the bottom of the league. You pair that with uh, an incredibly good offensive line and you really should limit the amount of sacks and and lost yardage you're going to have next year. So that's another thing that Frank Reich will probably take advantage of this season. Yeah, and then obviously last year was not good in terms of the interceptions for Phillip Rivers. He had... I believe it was 20 interceptions last season. And Frank Reich acknowledged, obviously, 20 interceptions, it's unacceptable. You know, it's something we, it's never good under any circumstance. Yeah. But he also talks about, man, you got to look at, you know, why these interceptions happen. Similar to, I know when the Colts still had 13 and they were mocked Jordan Love, and he had a lot of, a lot of turnovers last year. There are more factors than just the stats. And I always tell people, you know, stats are good. But stats can often mislead you to thinking a guy is either better than he is or worse than he is. And I think it's just something where you need to look at the tape. And, and that's something I think with Frank Reich that, you know, he knows Philip Rivers obviously very well. And he knows the type of player he is. He knows the type of season that he had. And it's something where he, he looks at the film and can kind of see, okay, why was Philip Rivers? Why did he turn that ball over there? Was it yeah. his fault? You know, was he trying to make it? Whatever it is. But I think that's important. I think I think people should, you know, look at, you know, look at the stats and say, huh, that's not good. And then dive deeper into the film and see like, well, why wasn't that good? Were there other factors? Because the quarterback position is unique in that mm-hmm. as opposed to other positions, you know, we look at like defensive back, you know, defensive tackle, whatever it is. A lot of times quarterback is rely, relying on a lot more stuff. It's not just you back there. You have to have obviously protection, which we know last year Philip Rivers did not really have good protection. You have to have guys who are running good routes. You have to have, you know, good, you know, guys actually catching the ball, all that stuff. There's a lot of factors to being an NFL quarterback. And uh but what what are your takeaways kind of from from these 20 interceptions and kind of what Frank Reich was talking about in his presser about Philip Rivers season last year? Yeah, I, I, I really liked this section of the interview, uh, and I like what Phil, uh, Frank Reich had to say about Philip Rivers. So I wish I'd written this stat down. I saw it on Twitter, uh, and I, I forgot to put it write it down, so I don't know the exact number. But I believe, just to your point, I believe five or six of Philip Rivers' interceptions were came last year um, in the last five minutes of the game with his team trailing by, I think, it was six or more. So essentially what you're saying is that he was trying to make a play. I mean, that's really – and the team is down. He's trying to make something happen. And some of these interceptions come and, and Frank kind of talked about this um, in, a, in a weird kind of roundabout way um, here. So, yeah, I think I know you have the interview up. I want to read the one part that I thought was really interesting is I can tell you firsthand this guy is not a stat padder. He's not looking to pad stats. As long as he thinks he has a chance to win, he's throwing the ball down the field where other quarterbacks might be taking check downs. He's trying to make check uh, chunk plays. And the result of the throws, he, he throws a few more interceptions. So I think Frank pretty explicitly says, listen, when other quarterbacks are saying this game's over, I'm going to play it safe, make sure I don't screw up my stats and, and just throw a you know, couple couple checkdowns and this game will end. Philip Rivers is not going to accept losing. Philip Rivers is not going to accept uh, not having a chance. He's going to throw it downfield. He's going to wing it downfield and hope a miracle will happen. So I think, yeah. you know, again, 
that is just one way to excuse some of the interceptions. There are still too many, obviously, and some bad decision making. You can't you can't just write that off. He didn't have a great year last year. And again, it's not just like it's not like this is like a one year thing for Philip Rivers. He has had some years where he has been pretty high in the NFL in interceptions. Now, not Jameis Winston levels, but but high up in interceptions. So it's again, this is a problem that has followed him at different points in his career. But as as, as Frank Reich said, I, I think there's there's um, context to these some of these throws. And so, it, like you said, you have to kind of go beyond just the flat numbers right in the beginning and dig into them a little bit and see where they are. So I, I liked what, what Frank Reich had to say about them. He clearly watched those interceptions and went, okay, that's why he did this. That's why he did that. Um, you know, ideally we won't be in those situations where he's trying to have to force it late in the game. And so I think that's where Frank is thinking, okay, just circumstance and context, we can take out five, six interceptions from those 20 and then keep working our way down. Yeah. And, and Phil, and he talked about Frank Reich also talked about, you know, Jacoby Brissett, and that mm-hmm. the Colts went to him when, when things were looking like the Colts were going to sign Philip Rivers. And he said he went and they went and talked to Jacoby. And obviously he said Jacoby was not happy, but he's a great teammate. He's a great leader. And we know and we're sure that he'll be good. And also talking about kind of his role in 2020 a little bit. Um, he, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast about Frank Gregg didn't rule out the, the Jacoby Brissett seeing some snaps in 2020. Um, he, he talked about, you know, he thinks that Jacoby has some unique gifts that he can use. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he, he just said that there are certain places and certain places in the field and certain places in games where he can see the Colts using Jacoby Brissett for different things. What were your kind of takeaways from that? I mean, that was kind of a little bit surprising because he's your backup quarterback. Normally backup quarterbacks, unless you're Taysom Hill, don't really see the field a whole lot. So what, what are kind of your thoughts with that? Yeah, I saw some people talking about the Taysom Hill thing. I I, I kind of want people to get away from that if you're thinking about yeah. Jacoby Brissett in terms of using him during a game. Jacoby Brissett is not the athlete Taysom Hill is. He just does not have right. the same strengths. Um, so I get that that's kind of the only two quarterback. And, and again, I put that in like air quotes, two quarterback system people have seen in the NFL. But again, I mean, mostly we're seeing most of the time it's Drew Brees, you know, 80, 90 percent of the 95 percent of the snaps. Taysom Hill is only getting on the field a few times a game, maybe more toward the end of the year. But that's the only example people have. So that's what they're comparing it to. I doubt seriously that's that's what we're going to see. Um, first, of all, let's, let's kind of clarify a few things. I don't think he's saying Jacoby is going to play five to seven snaps a game every game. I think he was saying some games it could get up to that many if, if things are working well or if the situation calls for it. I think there's a chance there'll be games you don't see him. I think there'll be a chance you see you see him once or twice. Um, some of the things that I, I dug into the numbers a little bit, I tried to take Frank Reich's comments, you know, at, at what he said in terms of what were Jacoby's strengths last year, and they, they you know, they stand out pretty obvious. Um, he was really, really, really good in short yardage situations on third and fourth down at converting those into first downs. Third and th- uh, third and fourth and three and less, he was um, he converted at over seventy five percent of the time which is a huge number. He um, completed 76. I, I just, I literally just wrote a story about this yesterday, or I had a story posted on this yesterday. I should say wrote it the last couple of days, um, but he completed 76% of his passes in those situations with 22 of 29. And then also he was incredibly good uh, on quarterback sneaks. Uh, he converted, uh, he on 11 carries, he ran for 33 yards and 10 first downs and a touchdown. So Again, just really, really successful in short yardage situations, both as a runner and as a passer. So I think what Frank Reich was saying is we're going to try to take advantage of a guy that is really big, is pretty athletic, and, and is really hard to take down. So you're not looking for him to burst off a 25-yard run like a Taysom Hill and Lamar Jackson. You're, and, and again, those guys are different, but you know what I mean, the big play guys. That's not what you're looking for with Jacoby Brissett. What you're looking for is a guy who's going to get you a tough two or three yards 
when you only need one or two. That's what you're looking for when you when you put in Jacoby Brissett. I uh, I put in some plays against Tampa Bay from last year in this video that I cut together. Some really interesting stuff in in terms of bootlegs that Frank Reich ran, RPOs that he ran with with Jacoby, just allowing him to use his kind of athleticism and mobility and decision making. Now again, I know a lot of people weren't happy with his. You know, when he drops back to pass and he's analyzing the field, his decision-making in those situations, fair enough. He wasn't great in those situations. But when he's deciding, do I need to hand off? Do I need to throw? Do I need to tuck and run myself? He actually ran the RPO pretty well last year in the situations that I saw. So I think Frank's going to try to highlight those and, and get him on the field for those things. Um, and I think there are ways to make that really effective. Now, again, the other argument is, was Phil, you know, you're taking a better quarterback off the field than Philip Rivers. I get that too. Philip Rivers was pretty good in third down in those in those short situations. Not as good as Jacoby, but I do think that there it kind of adds this extra dimension to your offense. If, if the defense has to come out and say it's okay, it's third and two now or third and one. Now we have to watch for a Jacoby sneak. We have to watch for a Jacoby kind of bootleg or an RPO run, and you know as well as handing off as well as passing like you had to do with Philip Rivers. It just gives your offense an extra dimension. So I do think there's going to be a time and a place for using Jacoby. Um, and I think it's smart. I think it's smart for, for Frank to have to throw that out there, first of all, and get defenses, get it on defense's minds, get people worried about it, having to prepare for it. Um, and two, you you do, you have these players on your team. You're paying him, what, $21 million against the cap this year? You might as well try to get something out of him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another thing, kind of look, staying with the quarterback position here. So the Colts signed Phillip Rivers, we know, one-year $25 million deal. They have Jacoby Brissett. They they extended him last year. So yeah. this is the final year of his contract. So as it stands right now, the Colts have two guys who I think it's the most cap room in the NFL that they have to their quarterbacks. And yeah, but you know, they have both of these guys for this next year. And that's that's it, unless they decide to extend one of these guys. And Frank Ike was kind of talking about and was asked about not having a quarterback under contract past this season, past 2020. And he was talking about just the whole idea that they're trying to win now, right? They're trying to win yeah. now. Um, they're doing something where it's it's a little bit unique for what we've seen for the Colts because we know Chris Ballard has preached so much. You can't buy a locker room. You build from within. And it seems like all the moves that he has made, besides this Phillip Rivers move, have been kind of short-term deals or young guys that they've drafted and brought in to try to build up this locker room to be successful not just in the short term, but in the long term, you know, five, six, seven, ten years down the road. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a different move. It's kind of a, a move that not necessarily is uncharacteristic of Chris Ballard, but it's just a move that we have not seen him make in terms of we think we can win now. We're going to sign a guy to a $25 million deal on one year. Mm-hmm. But uh, what is kind of your thoughts with this, with this quarterback position? Do you think, first off, do you think that any any of these guys on the roster right now uh, our past 2020. And also do you think the Colts will look to address the quarterback in the draft this year? Probably not early, but maybe mid mid to late rounds trying to find the, the quarterback of the future or, or even a guy to just back up. If you bring back one of those guys next year. Yeah. So uh, to answer your first question, I absolutely can see um, Philip Rivers, especially back on this team next year, if he has a good year and he, t- he talked about playing, you know, year to year and that's kind of how he wanted to do this thing. I mean, he he doesn't know how much he's got left in the tank necessarily. I know he knows he thinks he's got good football left, and the Colts clearly do too. But they just want to see how long that goes. So, And they're kind of doing you know the Drew Brees thing in, in New Orleans. I know there's been a couple two-year deals in there, but you know, really these have been kind of year-to-year deals in New Orleans for Brees where it's like, okay, am I still playing at a high level? Are we still pushing for Super Bowl championships? And if so, let's keep doing this at a one-year pace. And that's what, that's what Philip kind of wanted, and it sounded like that's what the Colts wanted. And so – 
you mentioned what Ballard, I, I, I was with you at first. I thought this was kind of a strange, like non un Ballard move. Um, but then you kind of look at it and, and it, if you look at some of the other deals he's handed out to guys, you know, other, other free agents, older guys like Justin Houston's like Jack Doyle's even like these deals are really ended like ended up being mostly one year deals with little commitments toward the future. Some of these older guys. And that's what, that's what, that's what Rivers is. He's a, he's a one year guy. He makes you competitive in the now, but then also gives you flexibility for the future. And so I think that's what he's trying to, you know, Chris, Chris understands the the importance of finding um, the right, a, a, a franchise quarterback and building around one. Um, Philip Rivers is that guy. He knows that, but if he can buy himself a year or two to find that guy while getting, you know, high caliber play out of the quarterback position, that's what you want to be doing. I mean, he was in Kansas city. Remember when they brought in Alex Smith and then they drafted Patrick Mahomes. That's like a, that's a perfect situation. You have a good high, high caliber quarterback in Alex Smith who took you to the playoffs while you had your quarterback in the future on the roster. So I think that in a way, Chris is trying to recreate that situation. So now, now you talk about that, that, whether or not are they going to draft a guy? I so I, I think it's really interesting that they traded away the thirteenth pick. Well, now again, there's going to be the the part about it. The fourth Buckner is huge. Like the opportunity to get a guy like that um, doesn't come around very often. So I think that was definitely part of the reason why. But you also have to understand that I think at thirteen, they made one of two decisions. They made one decision was either we don't like the quarterbacks we're going to get here, or we don't believe that any of the guys that we do like are going to fall. So. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's it's one of those two things. It has to be because again, we all know the quarterback position is the most important. Again, DeForest Buckner is an elite interior defender. We know how much Chris Ballard wants those, and so he definitely gave up the 13th pick in order to get that guy. But again, if you think, if, I think if, if I think if Chris thought there was a quarterback he loved and was going to get at 13, he would have stayed there. But that's not. I don't think that's what he thought. For one, again, for one of two reasons: one, he didn't think the guy he liked is going to get there, or two, he doesn't like the guys enough. So. Now you have to figure out, are we going to get a quarterback of the future in this draft? Uh, I think a lot of fans have talked about this and, and know the possibility is very real. When you're picking at 34 and 44 and you have a full arsenal of picks beyond that, you can move back into the first round if you want. You can move back in. I mean, if you're just using the, you know, the, this is the fun Jimmy Johnson scale of what draft picks are worth. And yeah, other you know teams use all kinds of different scales for what draft picks are worth. But if you use that as a sort of baseline, if you package your two second round picks, you can move back into 15, 16. If you package your second and third pick, you can get to like 22 or 23. So if they want to move back in, they can't. If they want to wait till the second or third or mid rounds to pick a guy, they can do that too. But they do have options, even though they traded out of the first round. So I would be stunned if they, they left this draft without a quarterback. Um, I definitely think they want to at least give themselves a chance at having a young guy to develop and see what, see what he is. I mean, you kind of see what the Patriots are doing. They got Jared Stidham in what, I think the fourth round. And and now it looks like they might go with him as their starting quarterback, a guy that they liked, they liked and developed. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, another guy, third round pick for them. They liked him. Jimmy Garoppolo, not a first round pick. They, they liked and developed him. So I think the Colts again, and you don't know if these guys are going to turn into starters, but I think the Colts want to at least give themselves a chance to find that guy in the mid rounds. Again, always can trade back into the first round, but if they can give themselves a chance to find that guy in the mid rounds, I would be surprised if they didn't leave this draft with somebody uh, that they could develop behind uh, Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett. And that obviously this throws a whole nother weird uh, kind of wrench into this whole thing is if they draft a quarterback, especially in the second or third round, does Jacoby have a place on this team still? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he does. You're only paying him for one more year, but eh, it just becomes really interesting depending on where they draft a guy. It does. And I staying with the draft here. Uh, I guess for me, 
I've kind of looked at this draft at first, you know, before the Colts traded away 13, I thought you have to find a quarterback there. There's there might, there might be the possibility that one of these guys falls and you got to just get a quarterback and, you know, the quarterback's the most position, most important position on the field. And I would say arguably in sports. And I know Frank Reich and Chris Ballard have talked about that and saying it's one of the most difficult positions, not just in the NFL, but also in sports at all. But, um, you know, just with trading away the 13th pick, for me, and, and Frank Reich said it in his presser, we're trying to win now, right? Yeah. And so for me, I guess this, the move that they have made signify that and they reflect that. And so I'm kind of like at 34 and 44, unless one guy is falling majorly, like say a Jordan Love or one of those guys is just completely mm-hmm. sliding. I'm kind of of the belief that the Colts are probably going to try to build around Phillip Rivers in terms of getting him some more weapons. I know they didn't do anything in free agency in terms of acquiring any new wide receivers or any tight ends. They lost Eric Ebron. And so for me, it kind of points to the Colts are going to focus more heavy, I guess, on the skill positions on the offense. We know last year they went heavy defense. And so what are your thoughts kind of on what the Colts moves have signified to you for kind of their draft strategy moving forward here in a couple of weeks for the draft? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. You got Philip Rivers, so you want to try to win now. And that's what that move is, right? So you want to give him the pieces to, to work with to do that. So uh, to your point, you know, for, and, and Chris Ballard especially has been incredibly good in the second round in finding starters. And that's where you find them, right? You're, in the first round, you're supposed to find stars. Second round, you're supposed to find starters. And so I think that's what that's and, and actually, and Chris has found some stars in the second round. Uh, but that that's what you're supposed to be doing. So maybe you're right. Maybe that's exactly what they'll do. Um, it's, it's weird. Chris is kind of, and I think Frank talked about it in his press conference was that Chris is kind of walking this, this fine line of, of trying to build for the future while trying to win now and trying to balance both those things. And it's really hard to do. It's a lot easier to do when you have a franchise quarterback to build around, uh, and they don't have one of those on the roster right now. So, um, I, I think he's trying to, to, to navigate that. It's a very narrow way to do it. I mean, like it's a very narrow passage to go through to do both, but I think to your point, I, I do, I really like what you're saying. I think that maybe they will use those those first couple picks unless like you said unless a guy like Jordan Love falls to the falls to the middle or the back end of the second round and they really really like him it makes a lot of sense for them to try to use that second you know 34 and 44 on a receiver and then you know I don't know I'm trying to think there's a couple other spots you could go I I, I still would I, I never hate when you draft a pass rusher ever uh I think you can draft pass rushers for you know years and years and years and still not have enough that's kind of how I I like it but they could draft receivers. They could draft a tight end, though I doubt it in the second round. But I definitely think they need to put some more weapons around him for sure. They definitely need – I I know – I don't know. I, I'm Maybe you have a thought on this. I They don't really have receivers that are kind of in the Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, mold. You know, got Vincent Jackson, some of the bigger guys that they, he used to, you know, kind of let say go get it or throw back shoulder to. Now, I think the Colts have some talented receivers on the roster, but they don't have anybody like that. Now, again, I asked Antonio Gates, I said, hey, does Philip Rivers need a guy like that? He said, no, no, no. He'll be able to make it work with any of these guys. He's just a good quarterback. And I, I think there's probably a, a kernel of truth in that. But you also wouldn't mind having a guy like with some size. And you know the Colts wouldn't mind that because they went out and found Devin Funches last year to bring him in. And obviously they didn't bring him back, but it's definitely something they value, I think, is finding a big guy with a big wingspan that can maybe go up and get the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you there because yeah, you see all the success that Philip Rivers and some of his best years, he's had those type of guys, mm-hmm. big body guys that you go up and, and just let he, I know Philip Rivers loves to let his guys go up and get it and gives his guys chances. And so I'd agree with you. The Colts don't really have a guy. I mean, Zach Pascal's probably their biggest receiver, 
yeah. as well, like one. So they don't have yeah. a guy that's a big possession receiver. And I don't. I also don't think, obviously, with Eric Ebron leaving, they don't really have a tight end that scares you. They don't have a red zone threat, a guy that you can just throw it up, can go make a play type of player. And so that's kind of why I'm like, I don't think you just address the wide receiver. I think you address the tight end too, because yeah. the loss of Eric Ebron, you know, say what you want about Eric Ebron. He made plays and he was a big red zone threat for the Colts. And uh, for, yeah, just for me personally, and from what yeah. I've seen, I, I feel yeah. like you just have to address both those positions pretty early in the draft. Cause I've just heard rumblings that this tight ends class compared to the wide receiver class is not very good. And so I think, you know, you have a couple of quality tight ends that you can get me back into the second round, third round type of guys. And I think you just got to do that. I think you just got to give Philip Rivers as many weapons as you can. And if, if some of these guys pan out and you try to find your quarterback of the future, maybe this year or next year, you're already, you already have some weapons for him as well, which I think is big. For sure. So, Let, can I ask you a quick yeah. question? Yeah. I, I've, had, I've had a debate. I've had a debate with this with, uh, with Joel Erickson, who was also at the Indy star. And yeah. we've talked about the second tight end with Jack Doyle. And I, I've always been kind of in, interested in what, what Frank Reich would do with like a Jack Doyle clone, a guy who is a good, um, you know, kind of fundamentally sound, can catch the ball, doesn't stretch the field and scare defenses. Like you said, like Eric Ebron, but I do yeah. kind of like that. I kind of like having those, if he's going to run two tight end sets, you have two guys, like if you have two Jack Doyles on the field, I kind of like that. I, I'm interested in that because I think the way the Colts run the ball, if you have a, as good a blocker as Jack is out there and you have two of them, that really kind of conf- – I, I think that has the ability to confuse defenses a lot. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I saw how Frank uh, used a field-stretching tight end uh, a couple of years ago in Eric Ebron, and it was wonderful. And if they replace, if they try to replace that directly, I totally get it. But I'm curious, would you be opposed to trying to find somebody else like Jack Doyle? No, I wouldn't. Uh, I think for me – I. I want to find a guy like Jack Doyle who's reliable and good at all around, good all around player. But I think I just need, I think that what the Colts need is just finding a guy who's maybe a little bit better at making plays, if that makes sense. Not that he's not a good run blocker, but just a guy that has more upside, I guess, in terms of big playability. Like I love Jack Doyle. I'm a big Jack Doyle guy for sure. But I guess where I kind of stand is like just having a guy that creates nightmare problems is something that the Colts wide receivers and really tight ends. I mean, you can maybe throw Eric Ebron in there. They have not had in a long time, a guy that just really scares you a physical freak type of guy. So I'm kind of of that mindset, but you know, I wouldn't be opposed cause I'm a big Jack Doyle guy. Like I mentioned, if you, yeah. if you get another Jack Doyle type of mold player, I mean, I would be fine with that. Totally. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you too. Like I guess I think they can make Frank's a good enough offensive mind. I think he can make either work. I would just, I would just, yeah. The way they run the ball, I was always kind of intrigued by the idea of running two jacks out there as opposed to a jack and an Eric. But I, I think, again, I think he can make either work. And 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 like you said, to have a dynamic like playmaker at, at that spot does does you know give defenses a, a lot more to plan for. I think for sure. So yeah, it definitely does. And I just I'm just all about we know how good of an offensive mind Frank Reich is. Let's give him the most talented guys that we can give him because he's a type of guy that can take advantage of these talents. And that that's just kind of where I stand there. But um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jim, for coming on. We really appreciate you, man. Where can everybody find your stuff? I know you mentioned Indie Star, but I also saw you re- you do a podcast as well. Kind of t- talk about that for a second here. Yeah, uh, Joel and I would, at Indie Star do a Colts Cover Two podcast. Did one last week. We'll probably do one again here soon. Um, yeah, we try to do them as often as we can. As often as there's Colts news. Um, that's yeah. So that's the Colts Cover Two podcast, and you can find that wherever you uh, download and listen to your podcast. But yeah, I work at Indie Star, Indie Star Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, at Jim Aiello. You can follow me on Instagram at Jim Aiello, but I'm not very active, I, I admit. So mostly Twitter uh, is, is where I tend to put most of my 
most of my work and most of my stuff. And yeah, I really do appreciate the time. This was a fun chat. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, it'll be interesting to see definitely here when the the draft's approaching really quickly, kind of what the Colts do there. But uh, but yeah, man, thanks so much for coming on. We'll have to do it again sometime. Anytime. Thanks very much.